Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles, your podcast for everything smart cities, action and investment. My name is Adam Beck. Uh, I'm your host for the Chronicles. Also, of course, my day job is the Executive Director for the Smart Cities Council here in the region of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, And welcoming you to episode 23 of the Chronicles, where we're going to be digging into another one of those smart cities and suburbs projects uh, one of one of many or another of many that have been rolling out around the country over the last 12, 18 months, thanks to a, uh, a funding program by the Australian government. And this, uh, this episode is going to take us to the west of Australia and on the line joining me uh, to unpack their project is Daniel High with the City of Perth. Daniel, how are you? Great, Adam. How are you going? Yes, good. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming on. So, uh, Daniel, we've had a couple of guests talking about their smart cities and suburbs project. Um, you guys were the recipient uh, of one of those round one grants. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment. But what I'd like to do for our listeners who are scattered all over the world, can you give us a uh, a quick snapshot and bio of who you are and what your day job is? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Um, So my current day job is the Acting Director of Economic Development and Activation at the City of Perth. Uh, I was uh, heavily involved in the Economic Development Unit, uh, and we've done a lot of work, I guess, with our data and uh, business information team and our IT team, uh, I guess, positioning the city to be able to take advantage uh, of smart cities. Uh, I have a bit of a background in place management, project management and planning. Uh, And I guess I've always been fascinated uh, with the influence technology can have on public behavior in the public realm. So uh, various projects in my past, like putting in uh, public LED screens, et cetera, uh, lighting, et cetera, kind of led me down the path of being really interested in technology and and its impact, I guess, in a planning and place sense. So smart cities uh, when I got to the city of Perth felt like a really logical and exciting kind of application of some some pre-existing skill sets. So you're sitting in economic development that's not uh, your typical sort of location within a local government organization to have sort of the smart cities function. Um, was that was that sort of in the context of the city's journey did it start there? Did it transition to you? What, what sort of, how, or how did that play out in terms of uh, you sort of being, you know, that, that sort of core lead and and, um, uh, and and sort of agitator around that? Yeah, agitator is a good way of describing it, I think, Adam, <laughs> if you ask anyone in this building. Um, no, look, I think, uh, I guess, if you if you want to look at the end result, why, why are we playing with all this technology? And, and for us, it's got a lot around, obviously, a lot around, the more IT aspects of efficiency and cost savings. Um, but for us in Perth, it's also got a lot to do with, um, you know, how do we create shared value? How do we engage local startups? How do we, how do we stimulate outcomes with our, with our businesses uh, and innovation ecosystem? Um, so it's not really a leap because that's, I guess, traditionally uh, across many sectors, what, what economic development does in the, in the city of Perth. So, I think, um, you know, the, the function of ED is, is very well integrated with the more technical teams here. Um, but, you know, we probably had pretty good expertise at 
you know, writing a submission and, and, you know, being able to do the boring stuff like spreadsheets and, and write it well in a way that we thought would get funding. Uh, we involved uh, a lot of community consultation up front. Uh, again, I guess probably something uh, our ED team is better uh, at doing um, than, say, the more, the more technical teams. Uh, and, and that's proven quite successful, um, the way we work across the organisation uh, here at the City of Perth. Um, that's uh, that, that's awesome. I what I'd like to do, Daniel, is before we jump into the the funding project, um, we we've got listeners scattered all over the world. Actually, can you give a very quick synopsis on the city of Perth and maybe some context, you know, within the region, and also maybe highlight some of those attributes as to why people love Perth, what its what its unique characteristics are. A bit of a bio for the city of Perth and the region. Yeah, pleasure. I mean, I can sum it up quickly. The West Coast is the best coast, Adam. But um, <laughs> no, look, look, sure. we do have some some very significant not not what I'd call issues, but um, so the the city of Perth is as uh, Greater Perth as a region mm-hmm. extends sixty kilometres either direction of of a really big, the, the Big Swan River, uh, I guess. So we do have issues, very car centric uh, type of place. Uh, very suburban um, and uh, and a lot of urban sprawl. So uh, obviously Australia is quite hot. So the the strain on infrastructure, uh, the strain on public transport, uh, and the strain on resources like water uh, are actually an issue. Um, the city of Perth, as itself, I guess, is more uh, what what other municipalities might consider the the central business district. So we don't have a huge amount of residents and we don't have a huge um, like a huge local government area uh, about 28,000 uh, residents uh, and about the same number of registered businesses uh, and we are the, the state capital of Western Australia so we have um, I guess a geographic proximity to Asia which maybe makes Perth uh, a bit of a different kind of capital city compared to the the bigger east coast capital cities of Australia in that it's probably quicker and easier for me to get to cities in Asia than it is actually Sydney or Melbourne. Yeah, no, um, thanks for thanks for that overview. So so with that as a bit of a, a, a backdrop, um, so the, the year is, what is it? The year is 2016-17. The federal government, the Australian government release their Smart Cities and Suburbs funding program, the first round, $50 million up for grabs. Um, you guys decide to put in a, um, uh, an application and submission. Talk us through what, why, and what you were hoping to get out of that, and, and we'll sort of dig into it shortly, but give, give me that early sort of journey with respect to Yeah, the, yeah, uh, just, um, I guess, yeah, in, in front of the actual, the, the, the Australian government opportunity, in 2014, the city of Perth was actually a global IBM Smarter Cities Challenge City. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so we were, yeah, we were fortunate enough to have uh, IBM executives from, from around the world kind of converge on our city and work with, uh, you know, a lot of stakeholders uh, and our mayor and CEO at the time got to go to New York and meet Mayor Bloomberg, et cetera. Um, so in terms of just that they gave us a report of 11 recommendations 
um, by today's standards, you know, that would probably seem, you know, pretty obvious in the smart city realm. But one thing it really did create, I guess, was just an awareness mentally, I think, of where we needed to go. So, you know, think about energy and sustainability more, team up with your universities, you know, value data, you know, assign resources to, to make sure you can derive benefit from data. You know, what would seem pretty commonplace now, but back in 2014, um, that, that wasn't that common, especially for, for an Australian municipal authority. Um, and so I guess we kind of had a, a decent direction. And in many respects, that those recommendations probably formed the genesis of a, of a strategy without kind of badging it as a, a brochureware smart city strategy, if that makes sense, Adam. Um, and then obviously, you know, we'd kind of been, you know, monitoring developments in that space, creating those relationships, you know, with our innovators, even some technology companies, uh, mining companies in Perth, you know, uh, have a lot of kind of technology as well. Um, so when the opportunity came up to get funding, I guess there were a lot of things we were already uh, working on uh, and it just seemed a really good fit. Uh, we, we just felt we, we could really demonstrate some value uh, to, to the federal government. And I think, you know, one thing we were quite successful in doing was, was engaging our neighbouring local authorities, getting letters of support and being really open that, you know, we know this is going to be a learning process. You know, this is an innovation trial for us. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, and I guess having support from from the leadership, knowing um, knowing that that would be the case, but you know, it's kind of a, a one plus one makes eleven scenario for us. Uh, and we we put a lot of time into the application. Uh, we we got some consultancy assistance with stakeholder engagement, uh, putting together you know real deliverables and spending time. Three workshops, you know, one with vendors, one with community one with potential partners, you know, really going, you know, there's a million things we could do, um, but what's probably going to make the diff the most difference to Perth's unique circumstances? Uh, and that's where we arrived, I guess, at the, the projects that we did. So it sounds like you you had the chance, um, I mean, 2014 in, in, smart, in smart cities terms, that's kind of like, that's old school. So you really got, you really, you really had a chance to dip your toe in the water early, which um, obviously is a is a fantastic opportunity. Um, okay, so so that's a that's a good backdrop. You you, you sort of you know enter into the process of uh, building up your your project application. Um, give me a sense now. Give our listeners a sense of um, the, the the sort of directions, the outcomes, the problems maybe. That you were you were sort of looking to to help solve through getting some funding to use some tech and data. What were those sort of outcomes? Those big buckets of outcomes that you really wanted to maybe tackle through? Yeah. Um, okay. Project? So so uh, people might not be familiar with, with Perth on the the western coast of Australia, but uh, it can be you know quite hot in summertime. Uh, we've got, you know, we've had to create, you know, really expensive desalination plants uh, for the greater Perth region just because, you know, there are water shortages, uh, a bit like California, you know, we, we have bushfires and all that type of thing. Uh, and I guess we have, um, we have a lot of grass, so we've got a beautiful river, 
uh, and a really open kind of grasslands in front of that, that river, which are maintained really well by our parks crew, but probably quite outdated and, and inefficient kind of mode of operating, uh, you know, how, how we water and irrigate those parks. And those kind of environmental conditions were mirrored by a fellow council on the other side of the river. So one thing we were able to identify is, uh, and just from a, a nuisance point of view, you know, one thing a, a ratepayer hates to see is councils wasting money. Um, mm. So, you know, we were conscious. It's not a great look when you're watering um, your grass and it's raining, for instance. So, you know, that the, the smart irrigation project that was born out of that, I guess, was, was really centric to a Perth need in that we have water scarcity, uh, issues. It's a, it's a problem that's mirrored by some neighbouring councils. Uh, and if we could go in and, and I guess, you know, alleviate some of those issues, save water, reduce rates, bills, be more efficient with a scarce resource, um, that, that kind of came out as a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, and that's what kind of led to our smart irrigation project, which is a telemetric irrigation, 107 smart irrigation controllers, uh, soil sensors, uh, et cetera. Um, and yeah, getting really positive aspects. We had um, Parks guys, you know, able to now, you know, basically turn off irrigation just from home if they need to, where previously, you know, crew, individual crews would need to go out to individual parks. So when you factor in all those little things, time, money, wear and tear on vehicles and all the rest of it, um, that, that was one that came through as, you know, not one anyone could kind of think wasn't a good idea. Mm. And the cross-city kind of collaboration there or engagement, um, was that something that um, was sort of foundational in other parts of the, the grant or submission? Was that just a, a unique one for that issue? Tell, tell us sort of how... Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Most of the, um, so, so the four projects we went with was ones uh, around uh, CCTV analytics and, and safety. So being able to do things like count pedestrians, cars, review footage that's requested for, you know, certain trends, you know, could be show me all the cars in, you know, that are red that went through this space in the last 24 hours. So there was a lot of operational efficiencies around that project. Uh, and some smart lighting to make people feel safer. But again, that was something we were willing to trial because we now share uh, a beautiful new stadium uh, here in Perth. Uh, so the stadium's just across the river uh, and the local government authority on the other side, the town, the town of Big Park, were really keen to, I guess, see what they might be able to do after we, um, we go through this kind of innovation trial and see if they could apply what we learned uh, on their side of the river. So a lot of our projects were selected on, I guess, that that ability to to share um, to share kind of our experience and what worked, what didn't, what we'd do different next time. So they were quite willing to support our application, uh, I guess. And, and what we said is, you know, we're more than happy to give you all the tender specs, uh, tell you where we went wrong. Uh, and everything in return. So, you know, try, trying to be as open source, uh, I guess, with what we're doing as possible because I think, um, you know, there, there's no disbenefit to us 
to us sharing. And if we can reduce everyone's rate bill, I'm a rate payer somewhere as well. I think I think it's a great outcome for everyone. Is um is, is are the pro, are the projects uh, the projects are finished or deployed now, Daniel? Where's sort of the status uh, of, of things? Yeah, so so they're basically almost all of them are in the ground. Uh, some are still going through um, commissioning. So uh, we have um, uh, a really cool project uh, which involves uh, citizen scientists. So we've uh, mm. got about uh, 10, 10 schools and two universities, uh, and we're basically uh, uh, have created a, a kind of public access. Uh, lower our network um, that's connected to some Libelium sensors, uh, um, kind of different type of uh, sensors in, in different locations. Uh, and the school kids can actually access uh, an open data portal. So we have all this going back to a pretty secure IoT platform. Uh, and then we can aggregate or cleanse if we need to that data uh, and basically spit it out into an into a open data platform. So the sensors, oil, uh, air, water, soil, etc., cetera. Uh, and the kids can then access uh, the website and play with the graphs, um, look at how it's working. So a lot of involvement of, you know, STEM in the community. Uh, we'll be doing some business, uh, business and IoT workshops later this month. Uh, we've had members of our team, you know, go out to the schools and explain the size of this industry, where it could take you as a career. Um, so it's kind of a lot of what we've done has involved the community, uh, even very early on when we were looking at specifying, um, you know, our open data portal, which is not an easy thing to do when you've never done it before mm. in a governed environment. Uh, we actually had huge workshops with the Perth Internet of Things community. Uh, and, and in essence, you know, these are people that just, just love this stuff. Yeah. Um, but, there's, you know, as you are grandmasters, you know, whose day job is, is working for you know, you know, working with this stuff. So in some respects, I guess, you know, we probably got, you know, hundreds of uh, hours of, you know, really quality consulting advice. Um, but by engaging, I guess, the people that we hoped would be the end users, I think if you just try and build this stuff uh, and then tell everyone about it, and then you've got to go to your exec in a year and say, the, the grants run out and four people have downloaded our open data sets. Um, I think you're going to be in trouble. Um, so I think by, you know, engaging future users and, and the community, I guess, that works in and around this space, uh, I think it's a much better philosophy. Uh, like we, we've treated it like a footpath. We're trying to create a footpath for everyone and a part of that footpath needs to service our needs in a secure fashion. But really anyone else can, can work with that footpath. Um, and walk on that footpath and enjoy it. So um, that's kind of the philosophy we've put around it. Uh, and I can say, you know, I think that's that's been a good way to go. And and this this particular funding project, Daniel, um, was there anything from the previous IBM work, your early experience that you think? really helped you get this project delivered and deployed successfully? Because this is, I mean, it can be really hard, kind of, I mean, project managing and technology is always changing. Were, were there lessons learned from your real early 
sort of foray into smart cities that you rolled over into this one that, that helped you sort of, you know, really kick goals? Um, one, one of the key recommendations, even from back in 2014, was, you know, see data as an asset. Um, start yeah. using it better. Start resourcing it better. Um, so we, we have basically, you know, I wouldn't call it a chief data officer, but we have a data and information manager. Um, so I guess we, you know, we were getting more savvy with how to work with data and that certainly helped. Uh, don't get me wrong, um, you know, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into specifying how this would work. You know, we made some classic mistakes like, you know, a really good document, lots of user journeys, lots of epics, lots of uh, security issues and technical detail. But, you know, something as, as simple as specifying or getting uh, vendors to, to tell us pricing based on how, you know, diff how many different sensors we were working with was, was something, you know, I kind of come up as a bit of a learning because I think a lot of vendors probably thought we were thinking sensors in the thousands where, <laughs> you know, where, where we were at as an innovation trial, we were probably thinking, you know, less than 100. So, you know, there's all those kind of little things you overlook or, or don't realise at the time. Um, but I think having having some nows and some resources specifically around data really helped. Uh, we had a particularly good solutions architect uh, input in. Uh, and we did a big ring around uh, a lot, lot of other local governments, you know, uh, just where they were at in terms of IoT data policies or, you know, were, were they in this space? Uh, and we really didn't have a lot of luck coming up with, um, you know, anyone else's tender specs. So uh, from, from that kind of perspective, we kind of just had to um, do what we thought was best. Uh, and I guess make some decisions along the way. We, we had a lot of great vendors with a lot of different approaches to it, to even an IoT platform. Uh, and, and we just had to make some calls on the level of complexity and ongoing resources or expertise we had internally to not be guilty of just building something that we then couldn't manage or couldn't work with. Um, so I think you need to factor all those things uh, into your assessment. You, you mentioned there, of course, that you, um, you know, it was fundamental having a number of relationships with, with different um, vendors and providers. Uh, talk me through or, or share some insights is into your your journey with with the private sector suppliers and vendors. You know, we hear at times that it can be a challenging relationship between city and vendor. What was what was your experience? You know, what were some of the highlights? What also might be some of the tips and hints you you might share with other cities as well? Yeah, this is a bit of a this is a bit of a minefield. Um, so what we did, I guess, prior to even finalising our submission, so there were there were requirements of the the federal government around, you know, don't put something up that you you can't validate. It's actually going to cost that much, or you, you know, you, you couldn't just say, oh, I want a data hub and it's going to cost a million bucks. You you know, you needed to be able to qualify to a degree that you were in the ballpark of, of a reasonable feasibility um, in terms of what you were putting up. So we did a, we actually invited any interested vendors uh, towards the back end of our workshops to come to a vendor specific kind of workshop. Uh, and that was actually at Curtin University who have a, a Cisco uh, Innovation Central 
centre, mm-hmm. so a, a specialist kind of uh, innovation IoT centre that's backed by Woodside, who's a really progressive mining company here in Perth and, and a few other um, bodies and also Curtin University. So it was a relatively neutral uh, space um, and we invited all the vendors and, and we explained exactly how we saw this working. So, you know, we want you to know what we're doing. We want you to be interested, but we're not treating this as a transaction. And, and we had some really good consultants working with us to the point where it was, guys, if you're not interested in, um, in working with us to build this, uh, if you just want to wait till the tenders come out, um, but if, if you don't want to be involved on the journey, please leave now because this project is not for you. Mm. Uh, and, and we had a few few vendors kind of, you know, go, okay, I get it. I'll, I'll either wait for the tenders or, you know, I'm not, you know, walking through four workshops or whatever um, to, to get the outcome. But I think that was quite successful in... Um, I guess segregating out people that were going to take a purely transactional approach to what we were trying to achieve uh, and the vendors, I guess, that were prepared to work with us a bit more uh, to understand we're at the start of this journey. It's going to be a long journey. And I think a lot of vendors, even big vendors, are only now coming to the realisation that your kit's going to end up in a local government area. You're going to be servicing the residents in a local government area uh, there's pretty much not too many things vendors are going to do that in some way or another are not going to impact or require uh, the input or relationship with the local government. And uh, I think they're slowly uh, becoming much more savvy with that. But I think in the past, it's been a very transactional approach uh, and sometimes um, sometimes a bit of a cynical approach. And, and I think they're they're only twigging to some of that some of that stuff now. Do, do you think it's getting better? Are you seeing things improve? Um, look, I, I do I do think it is. Um, I, I think you know uh, pro- progress is is understandably slow, um, but I think you know as more and more of these things are rolled out, there's more and more you know evidence, I guess, of opportunities. So I think people that invest in those relationships uh, and are prepared to put the, the, the time up front are going to be very well positioned um, because if you churn and burn at this stage, um, you know, I'd suggest people have pretty long memories. Um, and because I guess a lot of local governments are doing different things in this space, they're sharing experiences. So, you know, we're conscious, you know, we'd love to be doing things in 3D model land. We've got a great 3D model but we could probably make it um, very visually, you know, probably nation leading, but we could probably embed a lot more smarts in that. So there's obviously other cities we talk to that are doing more in that, you know, being out of model solar or residential density or even business case type aspects uh, of developments within their 3D model. And we'll talk to them. So it's pretty short sighted, I guess, um, to, to take that churn and burn approach because, there's a lot of interest in this space. The, you know, the Australian government's put a lot of seed, what I'd call seed funding out there for people to, to, to trial. Um, and, yeah, I think it would be short-sighted to look at it any other way. Uh, just on that idea of sort of, you know, the national government sort of really helping seed fund, um, you know, parts of this agenda and allow 
local authorities and, and other sort of partners to, to join up and, and test opportunities. What does it mean now, you know, post the funding, you, you've, you've done, you, you've got most of this, you know, pilot done, test case done. Where, where do you go with looking to scale and replicate this? I, I mean, is, is, that, is that part of the goal? Um, is it, are you at a place where you, you've had enough time to sort of digest the outcomes and it, it, there's a clear business case? Talk me, talk me through how, how, you, how you potentially move to that place which is very, very rare at the moment, I must say, not just in Australia but also globally, of really institutionalising what you've done in this in this sort of moment in time funded project. Yeah, to, and this, to, to this do is it all day every day. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's such a good question, Adam, because there's been so many times where I've gone, you know, e even with an open data hub, you know, if we hadn't have been as collaborative along the way, you know, I could have been guilty of building something that almost no one cared for or was going to use or would actually get round to using uh, and then what what happens then when you know I've got to you know spend money keeping it going and and trying to build an audience at the same time etc so you know we focused on on providing value and, and engaging our community um, look we, we will do a, a pretty thorough in, internal evaluation of, of where we feel everything's at so we, we did spend a lot of time i guess setting baselines now that was easier on some things like smart irrigation for instance because you know how much water you're using or how much you're wasting uh, than it is say for instance on some of the the camera analytics because we didn't really have a baseline because we've never had that capability before so you know if we can now count pedestrian or traffic movements or, or cars every day you know, that's a very different proposition to doing your public life studies where your urban design team goes out there twice a year and is trying to represent the, the complexity of pedestrian movements in a public space by just a, a, a two-yearly count, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, 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 so what I'm really focused on now is, is you know, taking a, a long walk in the long hall of long mirrors uh, about what we got right, what we got wrong, what we do different again, uh, what have been the resourcing and, and financial implications, what are we pretty confident, um, you know, we can keep going with, um, you know, are there aspects of, of what we've done where we've thought ahead a little bit? Say even if um, the city of Perth wanted to grandfather our low Rawan network uh, to, to something like the Perth Internet of Things community, they're all things that we've actually thought about um, and I think after this, one thing we really wanted to do was not get too carried away, uh, and I'm not criticising it, but you, you can spend a lot of time on the strategy uh, and not actually do enough to have enough of an evidence base or enough knowledge about what will make a strategy work. Um, so we've kind of wanted to really do these kind of four in-depth trials uh, and use that to, I guess, have a real robust framework now for what we will do next. So there's a thousand things any city can do in this space, like literally a thousand things. Knowing what we now know from having a bit of skin in the game, 
what's the next five things we should do that would, I guess, provide the most kind of public benefit for the city of Perth and specific to the city of Perth. Um, And that might not be what other cities are doing. Um, For instance, you know, we're suffering a bit in terms of tourism results. So where we might take this is, you know, if we wanted to address that issue, we might want to put some, you know, really innovative wayfinding solutions that highlight our Aboriginal heritage and a bunch of other things. Uh, And that might be a social return uh, that addresses other issues. So, you know, going to use this experience to put together a a pretty robust um, prioritisation value at stake type framework of where the city should go next. Part of that, not only the journey you've been on, but part of the sort of where you go next, um, that that obviously needs to be sort of a, a journey a journey with your internal stakeholders as well. Um, how have you gone with the current project that you're, you're completing now? How have you gone with your internal staff, other heads of department? I mean, you've got you've got sort of parts of your deployment, which include safety, security, traffic, pedestrian, public realm, you know, I imagine that touches a number of different uh, departments in the city. Tell me about the internal journey you've been on. Look, look that, that is without a doubt the, the really hard bit um, and not, not because any one um, person doesn't want to play in this space. But, you know, I think any time you're trying to do something that cuts across a large organisation, um, you know, it's, it's always more of a challenge uh, than you'd like it to be. Um, I think in some respects we've been able to provide what I'd call like a, a step change solution for some of the teams. So we've almost, you know, w- with technology being where it is now, we've almost managed to kind of jump uh, a step, say, on something like the irrigation. So that's, you know, that's something that, that the guys were really happy to engage with us on um, because they could see the benefits. Um, and, and also it kind of frees them up to be able to do what, what they like, which is kind of maintain our, our beautiful parks and gardens to a really high quality. Um, but, you know, coordination, we, we've had a lot of, um, you know, a bit of an upsurge in, in mining here. So a lot of our data and um, BI team um, got poached by, by mining companies kind of mid, mid-project for their dream jobs like head of machine learning, etc. Mm. So that's always a challenge, the resourcing side of things. I, I mean, it's something we all know. We all ride on our risk framework um, when we're doing these projects, but that, that's a big thing for us here. Mm. Uh, and, and I guess, too, it's just an education piece around what can be achieved uh, and, and what what, how it can benefit other teams internally, which is not always completely evident uh, up front. So, you know, some of these environmental aspects that we're doing will benefit our urban design team in terms of pedestrian movement or our urban forest plan. Um, but it's, it's getting them involved uh, and excited. And, and it's, you know, everyone has their own job to do. So that, so that is a challenge. That's probably one of the hardest things. I mean, we were quite lucky. Um, the teams that have kind of worked together on this uh, were there right at the start. They were there right at the start of the workshops. So, 
it's kind of not something we've thrust upon them. Uh, and I guess one thing I'd suggest is, you know, if you're looking at this type of um, federal grant opportunity, is to kind of make sure it's something, I wouldn't say something you were going to do anyway, but something that, you know, you acknowledge kind of internally across the board kind of needs to be done. Daniel, we're, we're almost at time, but I've, I've just got a couple of questions I want to sort of end on. Um, your, your sort of economic development background, I mean, you're, you're a realist, you're, you're grounded in outcomes and performance and numbers. Um, you've obviously been sort of hanging around this smart cities agenda for a while. Um, you reckon this is, uh, this is a keeper? You know, this, this whole sort of tech and data to help catalyse further opportunities. The smart cities things here to stay or no? Oh, look, I, I think um, it's, it's come in uh, very quick and, and I think, you know, anyone would agree, you know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, pretty standard that are just getting smart chucked in front of them at the moment uh, and, and trying to make some coin, et cetera. Um, but I think as long as you're thinking of that end outcome, which is shared value for the community, how you do that, um, you know, it might even be that some of your smart city solutions don't even involve technology, to be honest. Mm. Um, but I, I genuinely believe uh, there's enough happening in this space, uh, much like, you know, what, what you might have seen uh, in the planning realm with sustainability in the 90s. Uh, mm. Yeah, 100% believe uh, it's here to stay. Uh, I think it's about how we make sure there's that end benefit for the end user of our cities. Um, and, and as long as we do that uh, and don't get obsessed with the, um, the twinkling lights and the, and the sensors and everything else, uh, yeah, I f firmly believe it's here to stay. Good to hear. Right answer. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I give you a, a final question now, Daniel, of, of sort of 2019 and what's ahead. What does, uh, what does sort of 2019, you know, what's left of it's going quickly, what's sort of on your, on your radar? What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Is there a pet project for Daniel High? What, what's, what's sort of ahead over the coming sort of 10, 10 12 months? Yeah, so I mean, next two months is basically, uh, and and the entire team's absolutely sick of me saying it, but um, just sticking to, you know, the, the letter of the law in terms of what we said we're going to deliver uh, and delivering it uh, under the Australian Government grant. Uh, then I'm really looking forward to, you know, three to four months of really you know, looking at what we got right, what we got wrong, sharing those experiences with our local government stakeholders, sharing those experiences with our community, seeing what some of these kids do with the data. It will be far cleverer, uh, far better than anything we thought of. Um, so I think, <laughs> you know, we're not coming at this from the perspective of control. Um, we're coming at this from the, the perspective of enablement. So I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, and then after that, I guess I really want to apply those learnings uh, and I've kind of, you know, so we'll come up with, you know, I guess that value at stake piece for me is going to be the, the real benefit of having undertaken these trials. So, you know, in smart city land, there literally is uh, 
a thousand things you could do, but having real insight into knowing what we should do, what we could do through the benefit of this process, um, that, that's something I'm really looking forward to, being razor sharp on, uh, on what's the next set of things that will make Perth more livable. Well, it sounds to me like you've got a, a full order book for the year, Daniel. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. We're gonna wrap here. It's been a delight talking talking with you. I've 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 learned a lot myself. Actually, I thought I sort of had a, had a, a pretty good idea what you were doing. There's some amazing work going on there. And congrats, by the way. Um, I think uh, I, I think the work that uh, you're doing and just hearing uh, from you now uh, certainly. Uh, is going to be a, a resource for others, of course, to, to learn from as well. So congratulations and thanks for joining us today on The Chronicles. Oh, my pleasure, Adam. My pleasure. Uh, and for our listeners, uh, that's Daniel High, the Acting uh, Director for Economic Development and Activation at the City of Perth over in Western Australia. Um, this has been episode uh, 23 of the Smart Cities Chronicles. For our listeners who aren't subscribing, uh, you know where to go. We are on SoundCloud and Spotify and uh, Apple iTunes podcasts. You can also head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com, uh, to get some more information. Uh, this has been a, a, another episode where we've unpacked one of those smart cities and suburbs funded programs from around Australia. There will be more to come. Uh, until our next episode, uh, have a great week and keep well.